everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Brenton. This is TJ. My man. Beautiful guest on the show today. Uh, so TJ, what are we talking about today? Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, morality versus reality. Interesting. Now, before we jump in, I should give a touch of background. We've been friends for basically our entire life. Basically. Basically our entire life. Plus years. Yeah, been a long, long time. Uh, and we kind of drifted apart for a little bit, but then we have uh, kind of reconvened or reconnected lately. And it has been honestly like one of the best things that's happened in many, many years to me. So, and I know that sentiment is shared by you. As Likewise. Well. Yeah. So if you have friends out there, reconnect with them. And really I've been, dude, I've been thinking about this a lot too, is like just little stuff that you think about or that like a little thing can turn into like a mountain, you know, where you think of, oh, hey man, like, Maybe you did something or like maybe ignore me about a topic years ago and then you kind of let it sit back there. And then you think like four years later, you're like, oh, this is such a big thing. And it literally takes a small conversation to change it all and to get right back to where you were. Oh, definitely. And it's important to get past it because, you know, as you get older, you realize you have less and less people in your life. And it's the friendship that actually matter that you want to not let go away for something stupid that wasn't anything to begin with. Totally, totally. Yeah, that, I mean, it's such an important point, too. And that's the thing, too, that's I think you and I got super lucky meeting each other young and then Justin as well, growing up next to him. But the older I get, the more I see like you. There's not a lot of well, at least in my life, I haven't had a ton of good friends. I've been lucky with like a, a nice corp of good friends, but I haven't met really good friends along the way. So I think it's a pretty few and far between. 100 percent. 100 percent. All right, sweet. So morality versus reality. Sorry to cut you off. Do you want to no, start you're off? Good. Do you want to start with a couple of like defining both the terms? Yeah. So, um, you know, basically we're talking about what level of, uh, you know, what level of reality do the rules of morality apply? So obviously uh, morality affects the, the day-to-day lives of, of society in general and has been for all times. Um, so I guess first we'll start off with, you know, what is reality? Um, you know, Can our I jump reality, in real quick? But please do. What, how did this topic come up for you? I think that's actually an interesting point. Um, I think with, uh, you know, I've been watching so much media, whether it's, you know, fictitious shows, movies, um, or even, you know, with the upcoming Facebook metaverse and, uh, you know, shows like Black Mirror, um, where the lines of reality are becoming blurred. Mm-hmm. And um, one show in particular, Sword Art Online, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, really gets into the fact that, like, you know, your reality is what's kind of becomes important to you. Um, so therefore, you know, if, when do we start governing when we start caring about morality? So what I mean by that is, like, when do we start policing our moral actions or immoral actions, for that matter? Um, and when does it not matter? And I awesome. think it's been something that people don't talk about enough because, you know, the online craze, virtual reality, all these things are relatively new within the past couple of decades. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have these issues before. It was just we had religion and government to basically govern uh, what we actually enforce when it comes to morality. Yeah. Um, and now it's kind of has to apply to a whole different phase and sets of reality. So we have to really define what that is, I think, as, as a people and what we uh, value. Mm-hmm. Two quick points. First of all, question. When you say we like what we should police do you mean kind of like one like oneself or are you talking about like society as a whole or kind of like a combination of both i would say both i mean Mm. i think the whole point of society when it comes to governments or anything like that is to collectively decide 
what we have to determine is is crucial what what virtues we need to uphold mm-hmm. um because there's i mean many philosophers you know think that uh you know have different viewpoints on uh what morality is and what's important to morality you know plato and aristotle are more like you know the main goal is is inner happiness or happiness in general um which could be blurred depending on does that mean my happiness or your happiness um so it definitely matters as far as individually we all have our own inner sense of what is important to us but we do have to kind of decide as a people as a group what we're going to enforce because i might have a differing virtue set of virtues than you do and at, at the end of the day if if my virtues conflict with your virtues one of us has to be held accountable mm-hmm. well we need to like create we makes perfect sense we like as a, there needs to be a civil society for us to advance as a people and to survive. Cause like you're saying, if one of your values is, Hey, I'm going to be the best and murder anyone who does anything like that. I disagree with that doesn't work in polite society. Oh, correct. hundred percent. And plus, you know, in society you have, you know, psychopaths and other people type like that, that will have entirely different set of, of moral virtues mm-hmm. um, where it's very egocentric and so if we don't come together as a society and say, all right, these certain virtues are strong enough that we need to enforce them, uh, then we'll have anarchy and dystopia. Yes, which is not good for the majority of people. It's not good for the furthering of mankind, that's for sure, at least not as yes. a whole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay, do you want to hop into uh, the definitions of both morality and reality? Yeah, I mean, so again, both of these are very very vague terms. I mean, I can give you, you know, uh, the basic, uh, you know, dictionary definitions would be one thing, but I think, uh, for this discussion, we're going to have to come to an understanding of what we're um, referring to it to. Totally. You know, basic definition of morality would be, uh, you know, principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just the most basic. And I think, I think that's pretty standard. Now reality gets a little bit, you know, harder um you know even you know alan watts pretty popular philosopher uh i mean he even says you know it's hard to describe reality because reality is you can't really put it into words mm-hmm. um being reality is what you experience um so it's for him it's more about the present reality so our reality is just what we are doing now so it's mm-hmm. got nothing to do with the future reality it's got nothing to do with the past reality it's what you are experiencing now Uh, which is going to become important in this conversation, in my opinion, because if what you are experiencing is reality, that's when the lines get really blurred. When is it my physical reality? Is it an online social reality? Can it be a virtual video game simulation reality Mm -hmm. or eventually full on social simulations like metaverse and and things that come, you know, and what if life now is a simulation for that matter? That's a whole Mm -hmm. theory of itself. So Mm -hmm. reality can be very hard to, to pin down. But I think I think for this conversation, we need to realize that for us, it's going to be just human beings present reality, what we what we are experiencing and you know, our existence, our mm-hmm. current existence. I would say uh, in that vein, I think for reality for me, lived experience. 100 percent. So and as far as like defining something, talking about something, because I can talk about and I understand like, hey, this could or like the possibilities of this could be a simulation or this could be this or that. but like really simply on the screen, like running this bottle on my wrist, like I feel that. So if we're going to start a conversation, I kind of have to start there. 
a lived experience. And that's kind of the base of my reality. Now you bring up an interesting point though. So you, you know, you use the example of rubbing something on your skin, right? Yeah. And that's, that's mm-hmm. a more physical feeling reality. Mm-hmm. Would you not consider your thoughts, your dreams to be part of your reality as well though? I would too, but that is, it does get interesting when you think about dreams. So I think, cause like thoughts. So I walked in, I saw my wife and that like brought me joy. And so I thought like, Oh my gosh, it's my wife. Like, I think that's, that's a reality to me. You know, when you bring up dreams, that's interesting. Cause I've had, I've historically had a quite a bit of nightmares, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, maybe that's how we connected. Um, yeah. And so that didn't really happen, the nightmare, but I experienced it in my head. So that's still like a type of reality. I wouldn't know how to define that differently, but that's not like, let's say I murdered someone in my, in a dream, in your dream. Yes. Like I didn't go murder someone. But it still is some. It's it's still an experience. So, but would you say it affected your your physical reality, your emotional, you know, feeling reality? Yes, totally. So, so our thoughts and our you know things that aren't necessarily physical that are affecting us still might have a actual real effect on us as far as our ongoing reality. Totally. Excellent. Well, we can agree on that then. Yes, we've done it. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's that's important though, because again, we're going to be talking about a uh, you know when the reality lines get blurred, if it does affect you in the you know our real physical reality, then shouldn't it be just as important to apply you know real reality moral virtues to the unreal realities? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to get into. I think <laughs> I tentatively agree. Okay. We'll <laughs> leaving my, my, uh, myself plenty of space to disagree. There we go. <laughs> you always have room to disagree. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of conversations is, I mean, if you're truly having a real debate or conversation or anything like that, uh, you should be able to change your mind mm-hmm. in the middle of it. Right. Totally. Well, I think too. And I think why, when you brought this up and you kind of thought, this is a slight tangent from our current conversation. When you said you're basically, you were like, Hey, I'm interested in philosophy. And that kind of sparked something in me. Cause I was like, when I look at the world, the the stuff that I'm really drawn to is honest conversations. And I know you and I have had a ton of honest conversations over time. And where I really feel disconnected is looking at either media, mainstream media, social media, everything is so, so fake in so many ways that I can't connect to it. So anyone that I'm drawn to, that I listen to, that I respect, they have, like you said, they're having honest conversations and they may be like halfway through, like, wait a second, you brought up a point that I didn't think of and uh, wow, I got to rethink my, my statement. So when you, when you brought up this, when you're like, Hey, I'm in a philosophy, I want to talk about this stuff that, I mean, for me, that was like, boom, right away. That's something lacking in this world, in my opinion. Well, I think that's why I truly love philosophy is, you know, and this is why a lot of, you know, scientists and historians and people sometimes butt head with philosophers. It's because there's no real conclusion to philosophy. Philosophy mm-hmm. is open-ended. It's, it's cyclical. You know, we can, we can talk for hours. We might change our viewpoints during that, but at the end of the day, our conversations and, and even debate points are going to circle back on themselves. Yes. It's almost a, you know, contradicting or a paradoxical, most mm. philosophy ideas, which is fun for me. Cyclical means uh, like cycle in a cycle, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, it, it doesn't really, it's not like a finite line. You, know, you have your, your question, you get to a straight answer. Uh, most philosophical debates will just continue to circle around because if, you know, A beats B and B beats C, but C beats A, you're going to keep going back and forth through mm. that because the d- ideas differ in such great ways that you just can't really come to a full on conclusion that can be scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. 
Because again, like reality, it's what are you experiencing? And my reality might be different than your reality because I have no idea how you experience reality. Totally. Fascinating. All right, carry on, my friend. All right. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we're going to be uh, going on is, you know, reality. So again, based off of the, uh, you know, what I experienced and what we agreed on is, you know, my physical experiences, obviously, but also emotional and, you know, more thought experiences, um, they do affect my reality. So when do we need as a people to enforce moral virtues? At what level of reality do we do that in? So obviously for me personally, I'm going to have my own core virtues and I'm going to try and police myself on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think any person is hundred percent true to their own virtues. You know, everyone has wiggle room and everyone will sometimes, you know, betray their own set of moral virtues to get further or to avoid pain or whatever it might be. But um, as a society, when do we need to be okay? Well, you know, in life, we don't allow murder, right? We don't allow stealing. Um, and there is repercussions if you do certain things that go against certain societal moral values. Um, when do we need to start enforcing those into other forms of reality? So a quick, uh, a quick look at that. Um, you know, first off, the guidelines for morality in our, our current reality. Guidelines of morality in it. Man, I was going to get those two words mixed up a lot. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to focus on um, enunciating. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, we have our, our common core knowledge that every every human being, unless, like, of course, you're a fallen psychopath, that's a whole different story. We won't go into that. We'll go into the average everyday human beings mm-hmm. um, have common core knowledge of right and wrong. You know, as, as a little kid, you generally know, like, if I if I go and hit this little kid, it causes a negative reaction. So therefore, I'm reinforced that that is a, as a wrong action. I know everyone has a basic understanding of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. May I jump um, in and ask a question? Of course. And if, if you want to get a point across, just be like, hey, let me get the point across and then jump in. For this one, where do you think that um, core morality comes from? Like, is it taught? Is it innate? Is it a norm? Is it from genetics? I'd say it's a mixture of both. Um, I think we have consciousness that arise. But, you know, nurture versus nature is a whole other argument that's hard to get into. Um, and you have a lot of different... Um, viewpoints on that i had something here that i I actually had for that i think Mm -hmm. of course now i'm not gonna be able to find it now while Um, you look that up let me do a quick little anecdote i know scientifically um it is trending and studies are showing that genetics is the biggest factor so that would technically be the nature thing genetics has the most well that's not like a blank slate it's not like 100 but it's genetics have the most impact on how you are as a person Interesting. So, I mean, that makes sense because, again, I do believe mankind is born with a sense, an innate sense of right and wrong, the same way animals, you know, have an mm-hmm. innate sense of instinct. Okay, if I I can't go against the pack. And, but that's something that might be genetically from, you know, evolution. You know, there's studies that show that, you know, we're pack people. There's a reason why we feel depressed if we're alone and all the other things because it's a survival instinct. So, if something goes against that, if, you know, if we do go out and hurt other people, that'll decrease our chances of being able to stay with the pack, which decreases our chance of survival historically. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously with technology and everything going on, um, we might end up evolving that instinct out of ourselves. But again, that's a whole other argument story there. Totally. Um, but yeah, it is interesting to think about, you know, what core values are, you know, raised and what are genetics. But I'd say the majority of them are, are raised. Um, now, obviously you have, the, the nurture part will enforce specific ones 
and maybe add to it. Um, and that comes from obviously our parenting uh, comes from, you know, religious views, uh, obviously mainstream religion has had a great impact on moral views. You know, you got the Christianity with the 10 commandments. Um, great being um, good or great being large or large, okay, large. Cool. Um, yeah. You know, and there's a lot of, there's, you know, it's an argument that, you know, for example, my parents don't understand how you could uh, be raised to have good moral values without religion mm-hmm. and for them, particularly Christianity um, to that, I would, you know, laughingly say that, you know, people have had moral values forever in every religion. And I've, I've known atheist people that were better people, arguably than Christians. I've known Mormons that were better Christians than regular Christians. I've known Muslim people that were nicer more decent people than Christians. That, you know, I don't think the religious aspect has that much to do with it. And I think the problem with the religion is they more use fear, fear of the afterlife, um, you know, which has nothing to do with our reality to instill those uh, those moral values. But it can be used as a tool. Unfortunately, with humankind, we also tend to, you know, have greed and other things that mm-hmm. get in the way. And that mm-hmm. tool ends up becoming bad. But so religion is another thing that really enforces our guidelines for morality. We definitely again, can have. Sorry, we, we definitely have a, an entire another podcast we can do on religion because I have oh, strong feelings about religion, spirituality, where they interact, inter, where they connect, pardon me, and where they are totally separate and all that. Oh, 100%. I would love to get into that, you know, because mm-hmm. religion is a man-made institution where spirituality is an individual feeling experience. Exactly. Preach, yeah, brother. Mm-hmm. But if Alan Watts would say, you know, if you're not supposed to worry about like tomorrow, for example, tomorrow is not part of your current reality, then the afterlife is 100% not part of your reality. And so if you're focusing on that, you're no longer focusing on the points of your current reality. Um, then, of course, you have a government enforced. So, we, you know, men come together and create laws to further enforce an agreed upon set of moral values. Uh, so, again, not stealing, not murdering. Um, you know, usually they're less. Uh, I don't know. So they're usually more of straight up ethical values, not just straight moral values. There's a slight difference there, but it's, it's stuff that's going to really affect other people. Whereas religion will get more into, you know, you don't, uh, you don't sin necessarily, which might not be something that the government can enforce. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, they've tried, <laughs> but as we get more and more into it, you know, especially as religion truly does get more and more separate from the government, which only government will be fully separate because they are in tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at history, you know, the Catholic Church and the uh, English uh, government parliament were connected at the hip. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Spanish and the Catholic Church. Like, they're just connected to the hip. So, you know, look at the Spanish Inquisition. You look at the, uh, the Crusades, um, all religious and government things working together to do something. But nowadays, law is more like, you know, don't steal, don't, don't, don't kill, you know, mm-hmm. don't cheat the financial system. It's about go from the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be about supposed to be about building a polite society. I think. Yes. Now I yes. deviated you with the religion and the spirituality topic. Go back to, I think you were going into uh, like realities with like metaverse and all that jazz coming out. Go back to there. Yeah. So we already, we discussed a little bit more audience. Now let's go to the different levels of reality. So again, mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, we agreed already a little bit on our base reality, right? So it's our physical our more mental and emotional side that affects the physical. Cause as we know, you know, your emotions can have a physical effect on you. People get sick based off too much fear, too much anxiety. 
um, people get better off of happiness and hope. Like, you know, the, your emotional reality will have a great effect on that. So I consider those both part of our, our base reality. That is scientifically proven as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's, it's all hormones, right? So your hormones are physical. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like chemicals in your body. And so your emotions affect your hormones, which affect your body, which affects your physical. Well, placebo um, effect and the nocebo effect are both studied, um, researched, confirmed, all that. Which could be a huge part back into the whole Christian art talk we can do mm-hmm. later. Because, mm-hmm. you know, miracles and stuff like that. Uh, how much of that is your own mind? Hearing yourself is the miracle just your own body doing something placebo <laughs> effects or is it truly supernatural? <laughs> but that's a different topic. <laughs> that it is. That it is. So we have our base reality, you know, and we'll, we'll ignore the fact that it's a pot, you know, the theories of this reality is a simulation in itself and it's all part of some super mega computers program and we're all ones and zeros, right? Let's just ignore that part. Um, then we have, of course, in the past few decades, the online uh, reality, which in my opinion would be, you know, social networks, uh, chat rooms, uh, you know, even nowadays, basic video games where you just sit in front of the screen, but you're engaging with other people um, because those affects can affect your current reality. But a lot of people will get so involved in those, you know, people become addicted to them that they spend their lives, they spend their reality in that element that online platform, especially with social network, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Pinterest, all these things, people get wrapped up into it and they are disconnecting from the more base reality into this reality. And then nowadays with new technology, you have straight up virtual reality, real simulated reality. Um, now it's still, I'd still say it's in it's a, uh, compared to science fiction, it's still in its, you know, baby phase. Um, Cause you know, there's a lot of animations and stuff out there and, and, sci-fi movies and stuff where they get into full deep dive where you connect your brain to it black mirror type stuff mm-hmm. but even now you know you put a ha- helmet on and you're in another world right you're controlling it with controllers or your body or motion sensors so you have these these things and of course with zuckerberg bringing the metaverse and all the fears and stuff coming around that that's a whole other set of reality that we have to now think about governing um can you real so quick because ex- i know nothing i've i've seen metaverse can you just real quickly explain kind of what it is? I know it's a social network tied with virtual reality or a virtual reality social network. Basically. Um, so the idea is it has the, the, the power or the, at least the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the capability or the possibility of, of allowing you to go anywhere in the world. You know, so let's say you wanted to uh, take a tour of the pyramids of Egypt you can now do this through the metaverse. Let's say you wanted to visit a war zone in real time. You can now do that through the metaverse. Wow. Um, so it's, nice. it's, it's a simulated reality that you're going to be able to put, you know, put on your Quest headset or whatever brand you use. Um, I'm sure there'd be more and more that are going to come out. Um, and you can go anywhere, you know, whether it's a real place or a simulated place like a video game. Fascinating. Uh, uh, so it's, it's going to have a lot of implications because you're going to have great advantages of being able to do things that you couldn't do because you can't afford it or, you know, it's no longer possible. Um, and, but it's also going to have a lot of, you know, dangerous possibilities. And, you know, there's already a lot of professionals that think we need to have a, a robust policing system in place and are already nervous about the fact that one company will make all the rules for this new reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it could be a little disturbing because especially if people, as, as much as people got addicted to Facebook, which yeah. is just a screen that you comment and post pictures and videos on, 
how much more is it going to take over people's lives when you're literally immersed in it? Absolutely. So that's, that's, I think the, the final level reality is the virtual and simulated realities, whether mm-hmm. it's a simulated based off our real world or they make video game whole worlds. Um, it's going to be interesting. So that's, it's, it gets you nervous. Cause um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about uh, sword art online. So it's an anime I just watched though. And that's why my head's been on. It's kind of what brought this about. Um, and that anime, he basically. Can we can world, jump in real quick? Oh, can we do. can we stick on the metaverse just for a second? Yes. What are so if we can, and if you if like you want to go to the sword art, and that's an important part of this, feel free to let me know. What are what is your opinion on it as far as policing morality in it, or like any moral guidelines, values? What is what are your thoughts with a thing like a metaverse? Um, it's hard to say. I'm you mm-hmm. know, I'd say political. I'm more libertarian, so I'm more about you know smaller government, less policing, let us do what we want. But it's mm-hmm. very much in the way that as long as it's not hurting someone else. Yeah. So I do think the problem is, and it's been a problem since the internet's creation, since the early days in chat rooms. Um, you know, you have cyber bullying, you have cyber stalking, you have predators online, and giving them a new platform that is this immersive, this real, is going to be dangerous. You know, you're going to have kids get hooked up into this. You're going to have people with, you know, uh, psychological disabilities that are going to be going into this and people that get addicted, that this becomes their full reality. And this is the most important thing to them. And you're going to have someone else be able to take advantage of that and use that to cause actual real world pain, Yeah. whether it be, you know, you know, in the metaphysical or the actual real world. But so I definitely think there needs to be a system in place. And the problem is, I don't think we even have a good enough system in place now with the current platforms we have. Excellent. And point. if we can't even control it now on the platforms we have, how are we going to do it in a fully immersive metaverse? Mm-hmm. The problem, and I actually think about from the way you were explaining like metaverse and hey, you could like go to like a war zone. That actually yeah. gives me a, a ton of hope because- there's a lot, it's much, much easier for me to say F you uh, on a keyboard or on a screen like this, you know? It's way harder for me to say face to face, you know? So when those kind of lines start to get blurred, I think it's gonna, hopefully, I, hopefully, people can go to like a war zone, see like the horrors of war and start to rethink things. Like, holy shit, like, do we need to be in, just for an example, do we need to be in Afghanistan when this is going on? Like, or hey, like, if we're gonna go do something, if we're gonna go, trying to overthrow government or help a people like, Hey, like go into the metaverse and you go look at exactly what it's going to physically look like. And then ever that would hopefully bring more gravity or more thought into the, Oh, let's just go do this for no reason. Like, no, wait a second. Like lives are going to be lost. Like here you can watch them being lost. Like, is this a path we need to still go on? I would hope so. But here's the thing. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm glad you said that. Uh-huh. I almost feel like the reverse effect could happen. Interesting. Okay. You know, you, we started this conversation early on about, you know, reality and you, you touched your hand, right? Mm-hmm. So when something, something has a truly physical impact on you, like, let's say you literally watched your parents die or murdered. Murder is going to be a much more severe triggering thing for you. But there's already a lot of arguments out there that these violent video games, violent movies, you know, violent, every form of violent media and different types of violence um, are desensitizing us. It's statistically proven because I've looked at the research for at least for video games specifically. Yeah. Yes. So exactly. So if it's statistically proven that watching fake 
violence has desensitized us. And we go immediately from that fake violence, which is the same form platform, you know, especially with how good Hollywood is these days. And then, and how, how real video games are these days. And then we go to a simulated, you know, metaverse situation where we're watching it, even if it's real, we're still watching it. And it, for all we know, especially with how little difference there is from a Hollywood movie to a real movie, a real film movie, what if that just desensitizes more? I think, well, you know, the key word that you just said was desensitized. Cause I was like, okay, throw me in this thing. I go to war zone. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. I need to rethink this. But let's say I do that 30 times. And yeah. so then I'm in the metaverse and I'm like, okay, people are dying. Like you just said, like, it's just like, Oh, maybe it's like me playing call of duty. You know, yeah. I'll play call of duty. I don't like, I'll shoot a bunch of people. I don't think twice about it, you know, and the way it's desensitizing. Already- that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. Go ahead. It's already kind of happened with um, the fact that, you know, again, with social media, with uh, news stations and, you know, back in the day, they would show a a news report and it'd be about a serial killer and the nation would get gripped. They would be terrified, all that stuff. Nowadays, the world is so connected that you find out about every little murder, every school shooting. Right. I I remember when Columbine happened and the country was just in shock. Now we have school shootings every other month because we all hear about them. No matter where it's going on, it's happening. We know about it right away and we're becoming less and less shocked by it. Mm-hmm. So if we're thrown into it now and I can just strap on a helmet and see it in real time, I think maybe at first, maybe it's going to have a real gripping effect, but we would be able to make changes fast enough that it doesn't just end up desensitizing us and we no longer even care to watch. That's a, that's a great Or point. worse, we watch and get enjoyment out of it. Totally. Well, it's definitely, it's not enjoyable, but it's definitely gripping for a person yes. to see. The other thing too, just going on the desensitizing point. So even then, let's say, boom, metaverse right now, we can do this right now. You and I will get to a certain level of desensitization, if that's a word. But then especially when we have kids, it's not even going to be like a desensitizing thing. It's going to be a normal thing. Yep. You know, it's not even going to be like, oh, wow. It's just gonna be like, oh yeah, we just, we saw this and we, these people were murdered and it's just going to be normal. Crazy. Well, school shooting drills are normal now for kids. Yeah, because there's so many school shootings. It's it's just not even a it's not even a surprising thing anymore. It's just a fact of life, which is scary. And it, and again, back on desensitization and the world reality with the media and everything, we have documentaries left and right about serial killers and murders. And you know, it's it's a stereotype that you know you know women at home are just eating it up. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I know it is because my wife, I love her to death. She eats it up. <laughs> Same with she mine. She eats it up. Same and, you know, they're mine. talking about, you know, his head was dismembered and his arms were dismembered. And it's just like, mm-hmm. ooh, really? Tell me more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just going to be another form of tragedy and horror that we're going to end up just taking in. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we'll be less inclined to do any real change about it. Um, you know, when, when they, I think it was, was a Vietnam that we first started, uh, showing clips of the war in, in front of uh, movie theaters. It was one of our, one of our American wars oh, okay. mm-hmm. where, you know, they'd actually start streaming live, uh, live clips before the movie would play. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what, you know, caused you know, the hippie riots and all those things where they would wanted to, you know, bring our boys back. Mm-hmm. And it started like really saying, all right, this is bad. We need to come home because before that, you know, every war was just like, oh yeah, patriotism, America. But, you know, like, so at first it had a great effect. Now we have reporters in every, you know, military operation and we're seeing live streams and wars aren't stopping. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. we're not declaring war, but the carnage is not stopping. Mm-hmm. 
So the metaverse is just going to be another tool in that, that maybe at first will cause shock and horror, but I think after a while are just going to make us more, more adapt to it, more desensitized to it and more okay with it. I'm less hopeful now. Sorry to, sorry to <laughs> bum, you, bum you out there. Um, so yeah, so that's what I think about the metaverse. And again, so um, to get back to Sword Art Online, that kind of ties mm-hmm. into that because the whole premise of that, at least the first season is, uh, he gets into this deep dive virtual reality where he actually like connects his, he sit, lays down, it's a helmet thing, but his whole mind goes into it kind of a thing, kind of similar to a black mirror episode where it's like, you know, you're experiencing it. So you feel it. Everything's mm-hmm. real. You can eat mm-hmm. things, you taste it. Um, and the game he goes into, which is the first one of its kind, the creator ended up basically being a psychopath and he traps, uh, it's like, I think 2000 people within this game. Mm-hmm. And they cannot leave the game until they beat it and if they die in the game they die in real life mm-hmm. so the lines of reality get blurred there and you know they end up spending years in there by the time the game's over i think there's less than 400 people left in the game mm-hmm. um, all their bodies are withering away in hospitals at this point but they can't disconnect because they'll kill them too but there's you know, people can- in the game think this still happened with metaverse type things that gets more advanced where they become they call them pkers which you know from like world of warcraft and stuff Mm -hmm. they go around killing people and in the normal video game again it's accepted you know you're you're causing and that this gets more into the the idea of of bullying and causing people mental pain you know if if i play world of warcraft for example eight hours a day which some people do i did someone comes around and camps me right where they stay and just murder me over and over and over again i'm gonna i'm gonna get pissed i'm gonna lose time i'm gonna be stressed it's gonna affect me in the physical reality Mm -hmm. so in these virtual realities especially if it gets that real you're gonna have people that are gonna want to do those things so in this game it gets so blurred for him that he starts realizing that what he cares about becomes his reality yeah so the people he meets in the game become important to him even though they're not in real life and all that good stuff. So it's interesting to see that as we get more and more into virtual realities, when are we going to start really saying, okay, we got to stop things like GTA online where you can go and murder, steal, harass, you know, they even have rape against obviously NPC characters, but Jeez. like really fucked up shit. Yeah. Excuse the language. I don't know if you cuss. No, you're good. Yeah. You can curse all you want. All right. That's I can for sure see for sure. See in the future, something like that, where there's a game. And so we've all gone to such a place that and there's people who love the extreme and want to risk that people will for sure be like i'm going to this game and connect it up to some way where their life is on the line because we've all gotten to points like oh i played this game i beat this game but now when i'm in the game like it's life or death so it really means something that is 100 gonna happen and i'm glad we're on that tangent too because at what point should we not allow that at what point does society say that that's not okay um for example there's a really popular show right now the squid games mm-hmm um, have you, you finished that yet? I did. Yes. Okay. So they all sign waivers saying they, and they even come back to the game knowing that they will most likely die. Mm-hmm. And because it's all signed and okay, like spoiler they, alert friends. Yeah. Well, yeah, Carry on, you're good. You're going to die in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about death. Um, so if, you know, if, if should that be okay? If, if you can sign a waiver for a virtual reality, it's like, yeah, I know that my character might die. I know I might lose all my progress. I know I might spend a year on this and, you know, I die once and I lose everything. Um, and like you said, maybe eventually they do put more big stakes on the line. Maybe you, you know, lose financial gains. Maybe you actually do die in real life. What's the difference of doing that and doing a squid games type scenario where you're literally killing each other in real life? 
mm-hmm. or playing games to the death. You know, gladiators did it, but we as a society decided that fights to the death were no longer okay. They were not morally right. Mm-hmm. Is this is gonna be a weird question and it may not matter. Is suicide illegal? Uh most places. It is here in the US. Is it actually illegal? It's actually illegal. Okay. As well that- as assisted suicide, euthanasia in most places. There are some places that allow it. I have to look up where. Um, but yeah, so suicide, you you're, you can't take your own life, it's a form of murder. And it's also a you know a cardinal sin if you're Catholic. So you can go to hell if you do it. Yeah, definitely gets religion stuff. That's interesting because I actually didn't know if it was illegal i know the assisted suicide because that's a little different you could say hey i'm murdering someone because i'm assisting them to kill themselves but that's interesting because if suicide's illegal then that type of thing that type of game a squid game or like putting your life on the line in an online space that would be illegal you would think (laughs) maybe since in america people are free to do their own thing and technically well if it's just their life on the line that they maybe ought to have the ability to the ability to decide whether they want or not to put their life on the line. Fascinating. Um, I mean, it's kind of a different argument, but I personally, personally, again, I'm more libertarian. I believe in personal freedom and personal choice. Um, you know, as long as you're not responsible for anyone else, like I think if you're a parent of an underage person, then it should be illegal. Mm-hmm. But if, if you don't have any personal responsibilities, especially in euthanasia cases where, you know, you have cancer, you're terminally ill, you're in pain. It's not, you have no chance going away. I fully believe in the right that you should be able to end it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my viewpoint is you should be able to do anything you want as long as it's not negatively affecting someone else's reality. Mm-hmm. On the most now, that's, base- that's tough because, you know, if, if I, that's, I don't have any kids, but if I were to kill myself, my wife would be devastated and that would greatly affect her reality. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there is a blurred line there as far as what, what responsibility do I have to her? to my family, to you, you know, mm. but when it comes down to it, uh, especially with, you know, youth and age cases and the reason why they even that even exists, um, there, at some point you have to be able to make what's right for you happen. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I was going to say a point, but I totally forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That happens. Yep. Um, so yeah. So again, with games like GTA online with, you know, PVP servers in World of Warcraft with other games like this, where it's not only allowed, but, you know, made to be fun to inflict pain, even if it's just mental on other players. And with games like that already statistically proving uh, increase in, you know, crime rates and those actions in real life, how much more are we going to increase those if we make even more realistic simulations, even more realistic virtual realities? If I can put on a headset and feel things and, and truly be immersed in my immoral actions, how much more likely am I going to do those immoral actions without the headset on? That's fascinating. I would say like you absolutely would be more prone to it. The desensitizing thing, I didn't really think about that initially. That's the biggest thing right there because yeah. it's not going to be off the get-go. You know what I mean? But then it's going to get to a point, especially like you just said, when you can feel something like you're going to have every, let's say you're murdering someone. In, in VR and virtual reality, you're going to have every, it's going to be real in every way except the actual killing. And so let's yep. say you take that outside and actually do it, actually go murder something, someone, pardon me. The only thing that's going to be different is like the smells, like maybe the act, I mean, the action itself, you know, but it's going to be those blurred lines. It's going to be so close to reality. Especially in people that, you know, do have underlying psychological disorders. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to spark cravings in people where they want to experience something for real. Cause again, if, if I can feel it, that's the ultimate form of reality. Right. So if, if I'm enjoying something in the virtual reality so much, why would I not want to experience that for real? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a little scary. You know, even, even something as simple as, uh, as, uh, you know, uh, cheating on someone, right. I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever watch a uh, black mirror, but there was an episode where yep. they, these two exactly friends, mm-hmm. these two friends play fighting game. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they play male and female characters and this game has no limits. This game has no boundaries. It's meant to be a fighting game, but you can technically do whatever you want in this game. And they end up having a love affair because, you know, one ends up being a female character. And, you know, spoiler alert, the, the wife of one of the characters ends up being okay with him doing this as long as it's like, I think it's like once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. And so she basically okays it because it's not the real reality. But my argument would be, you know, I consider cheating, even if it's on more an emotional level. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you, you can have an emotional affair, mm-hmm. which is just as damaging as a physical affair. There are physical affairs that are less damaging than emotional affairs. I was just going to say affair. that point. Yeah. You can have a physical affair that there's no real emotional connection. It's just a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it still can be very damaging, but I can, I can have a friendship that becomes a very serious emotional connection that would hurt my relationship with my wife way more than the physical acts. Well, you could argue, like you just said, that the emotional is the more damaging part of it. Cause yeah. let's say hypothetically two people completely blacked out, totally gone on drugs. They can, they hook up. And then the next morning, let's just say like hypothetically, they don't even remember, yep. you know, you know, and it's, and then, so that could almost do, you'd never want to do that, but that could technically do like nothing to a relationship, you know, you'd no, no understand and get over, I think is the biggest yeah. thing mm-hmm. for any party involved, mm-hmm. but in a virtual reality, especially in like metaverse, right. Especially, especially if we get more advanced with that technology, if we can bring in actual physical sensations to it, which. Arguably, you can. I mean, you know, Japan has uh, toys and stuff where oh, you can yeah. put on a helmet mm-hmm. and have other stuff going on. So, mm-hmm. what's the stops them from connecting those kind of systems up together? And now I'm having a physical affair with someone through a virtual reality. Yeah, you can say anything. By the way, you don't have to. Like, I put explicit on all of the oh, things of the podcast. So, yeah, there's you don't have to candy coat or or anything. So, if I start using fuck toys in virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and even worse, you have predators online. Mm-hmm. You have, you have people that are going after little kids. I mean, that's, that's been around since the dawn of chat rooms. Yep. You know, ASL, what's your age, sex location. Mm. And people pretending to be someone else. If I, if I'm a 45 year old pedophile that creates an avatar of a 17 year old boy going after a 14 year old girl, and I started doing stuff with her in a virtual reality. That's wrong at every level. And that, would, that there's no one that would argue against that. I think that that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. But how do we police that if we start going into this world of fully simulated realities? Yeah, that's fascinating. I think there's an issue with the thought of policing something, you know, and I think the problem is you could take like the real life police or the government those institutions or at least people in the institutions it's fairly easy to corrupt them or to be a corrupt player in there so it'd be interesting as far as like a policing 
like a view on it to have like your individual avatar and have protections as opposed to policing. Yep. So I don't know how you do that, but let's say hypothetically, I'm my age and let's, let's say I'm a 16 year old girl. You know, you have some type of protection where through the headset, there has to be a retinal scan or something where you can, at least in like a sexual way or romantic way, you could only interact with people in a legal range, you know, and that have to be proven through whatever, an eye scan or something like that. So now that- But unfortunately, there's always ways around that. Absolutely. You know, you have to be 18 to watch porn online, right? And I mean, how many teenagers, you know, that are watching porn online? Yeah. You know, how how many of them are- uncles or their friend that just turned 19 you know how, how many of them are going to use their accounts or yeah there, there's just ways around that and unfortunately totally. if, yeah, if you're yeah. going to have the availability to do it any system protecting against it there's going to be a way around it mm. well hypothetically let's say i'm a 50 year old pedophile and i have a daughter who's underage hey whoever go like scan your eyes real quick okay then I, then you hop in like yeah yep. great point it's, many, just, it, many it's many hard. Ways. It's going to be hard to police. So once we create the technology, once it's fully available, it's going to be a hard thing to truly restrict. And one of the biggest concerns, I think, with with most professionals about metaverse, for example, is that it's just going to be Facebook. It's going to be Zuckerberg and his cronies choosing what they want to police and how they want to police it. There's no they're not really answering to anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if it becomes a rash of, you know, pedophiles having cases brought against them during that there's going to be some government involvement i guarantee it but at that point when the damage is done and it's going to be continue to being done so when when do we say all right let's put a pause on this until we can find better ways to, to stop it and at what point do we also say maybe this shouldn't be done yeah yeah fascinating do you have a fix in your head do you have an idea do you have a strategy for the technology itself unfortunately no Mm -hmm. um i mean like you said maybe there is really good coders out there that can really come up with ways to to ensure safety to ensure you know age restrictions to ensure uh you know hackers from being able to do certain actions that we don't want done Mm. but the technology once the technology exists there'll be people that will come up with ways to do other things within it you know, every mm-hmm. video game has mods these days, especially for PC gamers. You can do all kinds of oh, yeah. weird shit and some seriously fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've recently seen games where people are playing like Resident Evil modded where the girls walking around in a G-string, like playing yeah. the game. And that's mm-hmm. just a silly old video game that they modded. So what's going to happen when you're in a simulated reality that you can take full modding control if you are that good at coding? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the only fix I can think of, which I also hate, because again, I love personal freedoms, is, is not doing it. Interesting. I think that's one thing. Like, you can't stop you being just anyone. I don't think anyone can stop technology or advancement. So like, there's, I don't think it can be stopped because like you said, it had just hacking in like a, a PC game, like someone's going to do it. Let's say Facebook's like, all right, we're not doing it. No metaverse. You know, there's going to be people, there's going to be a group that's going to get together and do it. The only like fix, I think, or the way to do it is like just find a way on an individual level to adapt to it, you know, and hopefully there's some type of bigger societal thing that we can hopefully come together on. So I I guess on that strain of thought, um, you know, better upbringings for kids, you know, better parenting programs out there, uh, better schooling programs out there. 
Um, I'm a personal big believer in deterrent. Um, that might, might get flash for the flack for this, but I believe in the death penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I know I'm going to rape someone, go to jail for a few years and then get out, that's not that big of a deterrent, mm-hmm. you know, fines. If, if I'm a rich person and there's a fine for doing something, it doesn't mean I can't do it. It means I have to pay to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if that's we a great have, point right there. doesn't mean I can't have, do it. I just have to pay yeah. to do it. That's fi- fines are a joke. Fines are only there for the poor. It's just the way it is. Yeah. The only people fines deter are people that don't have money. Mm. So speeding, all, all that stuff. But that's a whole other argument. Let me um, uh, go on the death penalty real quick. Because sure. in a perfect world, they are absolutely crimes heinous enough to be killed for. I agree with that. The issue for me is who's going to be the one to do it. Like who can take, who can like enact, first of all, to kill the person themselves, but I'll go ahead. I'll volunteer. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) What system is uncorruptible that should be in place to do it? That's where my pushback would be is on. Oh, it's tough. And especially, you know, I mean, I'll get right into it, especially with, uh, you know, black lives matter movement stuff. I've been learning more and more about, um, you know, the, the failed, death penalty system we've had in the past you know how many people that were on death row that were proven innocent mm-hmm. either before they were executed and how many were proven innocent after they were executed yes so the death penalty is not perfect by any means but the deterrent factor of it is way more impactful and that's the only point I, i've got for that i don't have I an answer you. to how to make it incorruptible because people mm-hmm. are corruptible unfortunately mm-hmm. and death penalties will have to be upheld by the government which is very corruptible if not yeah. fully corrupted at this point mm-hmm. but again if you know if, if i'm online and you know in my opinion sex offenders have the the least deterrence out there you know I'm, I'm tired of hearing about frat boys that get away with rape and get a slap mm-hmm. on the wrists mm-hmm. I'm, I'm it's it's infuriating um, i actually just heard an article about a a man who hunted down it's actually in my area, the Seattle area, a man who hunted down uh, his daughter's boyfriend that sold her in sex labor and he killed him himself. Damn. Now he's sitting in prison, but I guarantee you his conscience is clean. Yeah, straight up. That's a, if I can take that back to a point you made a se- uh, moment ago with that, because it's hard to, the sex offenses are horrific, you yeah. know, absolutely horrific. You're destroying and someone's reality. Absolutely. It's one of the worst yeah. things you can do to a person. And it's not even just that the person itself, but you see, like, take, for example, like a kid who was molested, you know, um, or raped as a kid. The biggest or the worst part about it is the act itself, but also that more. It's like a ripple effect. It's like then a lot of times that kid turns into an adult who does the same thing to another. So you're not even messing with one person's life or reality. You're it's starting a chain of events that are so exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, again, our realities are affected by our, what we feel and what we uh, feel physically and emotionally and what ha- what's happens to us, what gets done to us, mm-hmm. which is a whole argument about online and video games and virtual realities is when people are doing things to us online. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've rage quit at a video game because I was harassed by other players. Totally. And why should that behavior be any different the further we get into more and more advanced virtual simulations and virtual realities? Mm-hmm. So the fact that we think we can keep creating these, um, you know, way more realistic uh, realities, these simulations, and not have this behavior 
get worse and be more detrimental to our health is, is preposterous in my opinion. Yes. Agreed. I think it's gonna have a real negative impact on society in the long run. If we can't truly figure out a way to stem this type of behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then there's one other thing I'd like to discuss. Um, yes. On let this me, topic. Let me, I have, before you jump into that, let me just real quick in response to, I think you brought up the point, you know, just to, to reiterate it or just to restate it is that I think personal responsibility, that's going to be really the fix for everything to make kind of a blanket statement, raise your kids better, raise yourself better. Like go for like, have the honest conversations, you know, be okay to fail and then let your friends fail and don't like slaughter them for like, teach them, teach yourself, be open. I think that's where I find the hope that we can get. And I think I see a lot of people who are craving those things. You know, yeah. I think that's where we can get to a better world. All right, carry on. And I'd, I'd just to branch off that real quick too, is I'd say the personal responsibility goes yes. even further and that we need to start holding ourselves accountable to our actions in these simulated realities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think, you know, as, as fun as and silly as, doing a heist and killing a bunch of cops in GTA online can be at some point we do have to say like, all right, you know, this is, you know, they say garbage in garbage out, right. This is not helping me on a personal level, be a better person. And what will this lead to me doing later on or how this is going to desensitize me later on? And how am I going to raise my kids? If I have kids, you know, how am I, how are they going to raise their kids? If I am enforcing this kind of behavior, so the people that, you know, consider themselves good people and then go into these video games that go into these online platforms and do harassment, do bullying, do, you know, simulated murder and all these other atrocities that we would never do in real life. And even if you never do them in real life, you are you are enforcing this behavior because it's not reality. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's OK because not reality, which is enabling the technology to further and enabling people's behavior to get worse and worse that might do it in reality. Yes. And so now to branch off into the, the final thing that is going to become more and more interesting in my opinion, as another technology advances, which is artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So going back into sort of online, uh, TJ, can I jump in real quick? Please do. So I have roughly about 10 minutes. Do you want to go into the artificial intelligence thing? Do you think we can wrap that up in roughly 10 minutes? I don't, yeah, I don't so want to pose a thought teaser. We don't yes. need to even discuss it. You know, so because this, this artificial intelligence could be its whole own conversation. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Go so for it. more of a teaser is the fact that, you know, artificial intelligence gets more and more real. And once we get truly get to the point where we have self-aware artificial intelligence, at what point do our rules of morality need to apply to them as well mm-hmm. and how we treat them? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I kill an NPC, but that NPC was self-aware, how is that not as atrocious as me killing you? Totally. So morality is, is going to be an interesting thing. We're going to have to deal with more as a people, the more mm-hmm. we get into virtual reality. Mm-hmm. I have, we can leave that as a teaser. I have a small response and I'd like to hear your response to my response. <laughs> so if to, cause I like taking things as much as I can, stripping it down to the base level as much as possible. So just in a, in a basic way, if an artificial intelligence can have a lived experience, 
And there's degrees, there's a spectrum of that, you know, but let's say an NPC can have a lived experience, then I think that definitely needs to be weighed upon or at least taken into account. Now, there's probably a conversation of like varying degrees. Like it's, it's almost kind of like to like the vegan argument. Like, so a cow has a lived experience. You know what I mean? Do yep. I feel strongly enough personally that we should never kill another cow again for meat, for sustenance, for that type of thing? I don't currently, I'm open to change on that. You know, that may be, that may be part of the debate, but I think if a, if an artificial intelligence, which they, I would assume at some point definitely will be able to have lived experiences. Like that's definitely going to be a question to answer in the future. Um, I fully agree. Um, you know, as far as the veganism thing goes, uh, I think that could be a whole argument in itself. Uh, I, I feel some guilt in killing any living thing, but I think the yeah, survival, instinct, yeah, the survival instinct in me tells me it's okay. You know, mm. humankind has been hunting since we've been around mm. and killing animals to survive. So the survival instinct in me rationalizes that guilt away. Um, it also, it's the intelligence level, right? So me killing you is different than me killing a cow. So if, mm. if we create something that is arguably as intelligent and realistically probably more intelligent than you and me, and then I turn around and kill that, I personally would have a problem with that. I personally yeah. think that was just as horrendous as me killing you, especially because you said it's the lived experience. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's only lived in virtual reality, but that means that it was that reality. And that goes back to this could be a simulation, but this is my reality. So this is all that matters to me, whether mm -hmm. it's a simulation or not, this is my reality. So AI, that's their reality. If they're fully self-aware, they can feel, think, have their own expressions. How can I not treat them in the same moral virtues that I treat you. Absolutely. I agree. It's all interesting stuff. A little scary. <laughs> it is. Well, it's, I mean, it's uh, pretty big topics, you know, just thinking about taking, it would be taking a life in the future. If something is just to make a baseline, like as intelligent as us, you know, yeah, they're big uh, topics with a lot of gravity to them, I think. Your awesome, life man. is just as easy as an on and off switch as a computer. Yeah, that's the crazy thing, right? Crazy, crazy. Okay, before we go, any final closing thoughts or anything uh, you wanted to touch on before we ended? Uh, I, don't, I think my final closing thought is, is you know, again, I love discussion and mm -hmm. I love the fact that it can be open-ended. So again, being, you know, more of personal freedoms and choices. And I, I, again, I don't think that we can, like you said, I don't think we can, can limit this technology and I'm not necessarily sure we should, but we do need to have these discussions and people as a whole need to figure out ways to solve these problems that are going to come out of these new technologies. Because otherwise we're going to end up in a worse place than we are now, which isn't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd hope to get to a better place than we are now. That's the goal. At least it yeah. should be. Awesome, man. I think that was a great conversation. Definitely. Love it, man. Okay. I'm super down to do this again. Sweet. Me too. Me too. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the next one.